Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You know, one thing when heading into the backcountry that I never leave home without is an app. Now, some of you might be thinking, what does an app have to do with the backcountry? Well, this one does. That's because I'm talking about the iHunter app. This thing's great, man. I've been using it for years. It has a built-in GPS that works off satellite signal, so you don't have to worry about staying within cell range. With a little blue dot on the map indicating your location, you'll know where you are at all times, making it easy to track, locate, just stay safe in the backcountry. It has a variety of topo maps you can use. You can share waypoints with friends. One cool feature is that it has all the regulations right on the app. So for some reason you aren't sure about something, simply pull up the app and double-check. This thing's great. You guys can pick it up wherever you get your apps. Moving on to episode 16, today I'm joined by Kyle Stetler of the Wild Sheep Society BC. Kyle and I discuss a few issues going on with the wild sheep in our province. We discuss a couple projects that we've worked on in the past and a new one we got coming up. I hit the record button a little early on Kyle, so let's get into her. Well, this sucks. How you been, man? I've been good, man. Just, uh, you know, learning the ropes of the podcasting world, which seems to consume my days lately. But, uh, man, it's uh, it's been good. A lot of fun. No, it's awesome. And you're, you're crushing it, man. Uh, I really liked uh, I haven't listened to the last last one you did, but... Uh... Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been good. I mean, it's been a lot of work, just just the process. And, you know, I'm about as tech as a caveman, so it's all new and it's it's all time, right? So, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun engaging with people and, and talking to people and, and just sharing their stories. And, and uh, that's one cool thing about hunters. They're always willing to talk about hunting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm with you, man. I, I just love it. Uh, and it's just so fun to get that, um, like it, hosting, it's a bit of work hosting these. And I know you put a lot of work in, like, listen to your podcast you can tell that you put the effort in um and you're ho- done your homework um it's a lot of work but it's so fun too and, and you always you're always learning new stuff too right yeah yeah exactly 
exactly. So uh, maybe uh, you can just give a quick intro to yourself, uh, you know, and uh, and maybe while you're at it, just uh, introduce the wild sheep and, and what they're all about. And uh, just for the people who don't know, I'm sure most of them do, but, uh, you know, there's there might be a couple out there that don't. You want me to go back, like with me particularly, you just want me to talk about like kind of current stuff? Like, Well, um, maybe you know. maybe give us the, uh, the medium backstory on yourself. We don't need to, to hear about, you know, the date you're conceived or anything like that. So... Uh, Maybe right. just yeah. just uh, just go back a little bit and how you got involved with hunting and the wild sheep, and then just maybe okay. what their goal yeah. is. Oh, sorry, are we recording? Yeah, we're recording, buddy. You're live. We're oh. we're talking. Jesus. Oh goodness, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, well, I grew up actually in Alberta. Um, I was raised on a farm in southern Alberta, and so I grew up in that hunting family. Uh, really, like my grandfather hunted, uh, my father hunted, and actually, my earliest days, I remember. One of my earliest memories is with, and it's vivid in my mind, is um, being in a truck with my grandfather, and we were driving along um, kind of a pasture road. Uh, there are a lot of oil well roads out there, and uh, there was these giant mule deer, uh, and a lot of them, big mule deer. And you know, back in the seventies, uh, where we grew up, the, the mule deer hunting was phenomenal. Whitetail was great. Mule deer was amazing. Um, Pre CWD, that sort of stuff. So that's my early memory of hunting, and it's really. Uh, it's etched in my mind, actually, and that's kind of my driving force for conservation is um, I've seen that evolution over 40 or 50 years, 40 years, and um, I kind of, uh, it's a reflection of what it was then and what it is now, and, and there's definitely a stark difference, and I think that's a pretty consistent theme um, all across the Canadian landscape, certainly in Western Canada. Uh, anyone I talk to, obviously, I don't hunt all these places now, but uh, anyway, fast forward 25 years, come out to the coast. Uh, work-related stuff. Uh, didn't really do a lot of hunting at first in BC. You know, didn't really have hunting partners or hunting areas. I was in the Lower Mainland, living in Vancouver, actually. So, some challenges there. Uh, always, obviously, the passion was still there. And then eventually, you get established in your career, and then back to the the hunting side of things. And uh, I went to my first sheep hunt uh, back in 2010, um, and with my current hunting partner. He, you know, he was say let's let's go we were trying to plan a sheep hunt for a number of years actually it was 2011 2010 we did a uh, a bear hunt together 2011 did our sheep hunt and uh, from that moment on I was kind of hooked on you know the mountain hunting aspect of things and just being in that environment so that's kind of the the backstory there with the hunting stuff conservation side I they went hand in hand so I always had this conservation you know ethos I always knew how important it was but I wasn't always doing my part to give back and uh, I certainly took my share, you know, hunted lots, you know, I started hunting, I killed my first mule deer when I was 14, I think it was, uh, with my dad, uh, just uh, so fantastic memories with that. And um, so I, I harvested that first sheep in 2011. And my buddy bought me a, a light or sorry, just a regular membership to the Wild Sheep Society BC, went up to the show in Kelowna, and uh, just meeting that community of uh, conservationists, hunters, and just the passion in that room. Uh, I was hook, line, and sinker, man. I'm like, how can I not be part of this organization? So it uh, really resonated with me. And uh, and then it was kind of a slow transition. You know, I was a member and, and supporting and obviously, you know, doing my part, but really not volunteering. At the time, Rob Kopecki was the president. I said, hey, Rob, love this organization. Anything I can do to support, I'm there for you. And it wasn't too much for a couple of years and then eventually got more and more involved. And then, uh, and that brings us to, to where we are today. So past president now with the wild sheep society bc last year i was the president um david heitzman took over my role so i fall into that past president role on the board of directors 
uh, still quite involved uh, on the day-to-day operations of things. And uh, yeah, the society is a great organization. Just something I believe in. Uh, they're dedicated to wild sheep and their habitat uh, in beautiful British Columbia. Um, that's our mandate. So uh, we look after wild sheep, but their habitat. So obviously that's going to benefit a lot of other species well as well, right? So our focus, our lens is through the wild sheep lens, but obviously anything that's in the mountains are going to benefit from uh, from what we're doing uh, work with the wild sheep. Yeah, awesome. You guys do uh, you guys do a lot of of, uh, of pretty neat stuff and and really important stuff. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, something our our buddy Ben there touched on in, in the podcast that him and I did was the uh, the Fraser River project. Uh, he kind of explained what his role in in that was, but uh, I was hoping maybe you can just get into a little more detail of, of exactly uh, what it was, why it was important, and and how the outcome turned out because it, it's uh, it's wrapped up now, isn't it? That project? Uh, actually, uh, we're in year three of it, oh, um, and it's there's work still being done uh, there, um, and and the, I think there'll be a lot of work continue to be done as well kevin um it's not you know it was a three-year project um and we're in year three of it and i don't think ben's doing any helicopter work right now around that um but uh, the wild sheep society bc um you know chris barker is our project chair chris is one of the most passionate guys i know when it comes to conservation of wild sheep just hard work and dedicated um and uh the fraser river ecosystem is so unique right we've got all these big horns on there and um, there was a pretty significant die-off in the 90s, and we didn't really know why, didn't really understand it. Um, we suspected disease. Uh, we were right. Um, you know, now the project has indicated that, yeah, that is the main driver there. And uh, some of those herds are down 50, 60 uh, plus percent. So significant drop-off. Uh, our goal is to see a vibrant, healthy Fraser River ecosystem. Uh, there's tons of habitat there. Uh, but the problem is, is there's this disease issue, right? So um, that was something that we were, as an organization, passionate about. Chris is incredibly passionate about it. And, um, you know, the regional bios do the heavy lifting in the province. Don't make any mistake there. Um, without the regional bios, we couldn't do any of this work because we're not, we're not biologists. We are a conservation organization. So, and we don't have any biologists on staff. So, you know, we're a volunteer org. We've got uh, one executive uh, assistant. And that's it. That's all we have in terms of paid staff. Um, everything else is just um, volunteer work. So uh, Chris works with the regional bios and uh, he reached out in the region three and was working closely with Chris Proctor and they basically, and Jeremy Ayotte, uh, and they came up with this project collectively driven by the bios and, you know, kind of us spearheading that project. As you know, with the regional bios, they can only do so much work in the province, right? Um, funding's an issue. They have to find funding sources. And I think that's what we do. You know, that's kind of our role. Um, we're able to be that catalyst where we can provide the support as an organization. Uh, we have access to resources. Um, we have a lot of funding partners that like to work with us. And so we're able to, you know, work closely with these other organizations and, and sort of uh, be a part of these regional bio projects that, that they're doing. So the Fraser River stuff is really important. There's a ton more carrying capacity in those hills. And we, we've committed $57,000 in year one for that. We put about a hundred grand into that over three years. Um, and, you know, you had Ben on the show here, Ben Baryukov from uh, Canadian Wildlife Capture, just a, a really ardent supporter for conservation. He donated a bunch of his own 
uh, time and money for that. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the discount on the helicopter bill was, but it was significant. It was over, it was five figures for sure. So Ben was, uh, you know, heavily invested in that. He's a, uh, sorry, a, a monarch member with the Wild Sheep Society BC. Um, so this project is, is fantastic. The cool thing is, is, you know, um, we ended up doing a, a test and remove or test and call on the Fraser. And we've actually seen some pretty significant lamb recruitment this year, uh, this past year. So really exciting. Um, past years, the die off on, on new recruitment has been very high. And this is the first year we've gone out. We've done that test and call last winter. And we've seen really positive results. Um, you know, the, the stats aren't um, are still coming in, still rolling in. We're still getting data on that. But it's been a very successful project um, by all accounts from what we've seen, uh, according to the regional bios. You say the disease in these sheep, but what's the disease and what does it stem from? Yeah, great question, Kevin. You know, disease is, is just a nebulous. It's a rabbit hole. And, uh, you know, if you, if you want to... If you want a podcast subject and you want to put your listeners to sleep, that's a great one for you. And you can talk <laughs> about three days on, on the disease issue and you'll probably be more confused than you were when you started. And I am no disease expert, but uh, wild sheep, that is our nemesis, right? Uh, you know, that's the, you know, by far the biggest factor in British Columbia right now that we face is a disease issue. We can't do transplants because of disease. So, okay. Type of disease. Um, the, the big offender uh, today is mycoplasma ovi pneumonia, MOVI. So MOVI is uh, a, a pathogen that affects wild sheep and basically it compromises um, their uh, their lungs. Basically, there's, uh, you have the equivalent of cilia in your, uh, your windpipe and that prevents stuff from going down. What happens, MOVI goes in, it lays that cilia down and then other uh, pathogens and other uh, infections can get into um the, into their, their breathing system, into their lungs. So they, they kind of call it as a setup agent. Quite often, Moby is not necessarily the cause of death. Um, it's probably something else, but Moby caused that. Uh, even predation, there's heavy predation, but it's always these weakened species or weakened animals that have Moby and then they can't get away. The healthy ones escape, right? So Moby's the biggest offender. Um, you know, a lot of people like to talk about Moby and say, oh, Moby, Moby, Moby. And that is, uh, according to biologists, the biggest offender as of right now. But there is a whole bunch of host of other diseases. But that's the one we're most focused on because uh, it is the biggest threat to wild sheep uh, in the disease world right now. So Moby's the big one. And it's relatively new on the landscape. Um, it's, there's not a lot known about it. And there's been a ton of money, time and effort spent on research around Moby. The problem is, is there's no cure for it. Um, and that's the challenge with, with the Moby is, uh, you know, if we could cure Moby, it would make a, a huge difference for wild sheep for sure. Yeah. You mentioned declines in sheep now. How do you guys get these numbers? Like what process do you guys through, go through? I know with the mule deer, you're talking about doing a, a mule deer count. Is that the same sort of thing that you guys do with the sheep? That, that's an element of it for sure. Um, again, this goes back to our regional bios. Um, you know, they're out there. Uh, they're on the landscape. They're the, one of the challenges in BC, uh, and I think in a lot of jurisdictions, is we really don't have great numbers. Um, the numbers of wild sheep are, um, you know, they're not, uh, we don't have a great uh, inventory. And uh, Is that something that's new? Like, do we used to have a, a healthy, strong stock of sheep? Or is it just something that our landscape in BC never really sustained numbers? Uh, we, ha we have some really solid sheep numbers in BC. There's, uh, there's good numbers here in BC, for sure. And, and it's been... I would call it stable. It's not uh, sheep numbers aren't there's certain areas that are doing better than others, but this disease issue, this chronic disease issue 
And and the disease issue is a southern issue. It's not an RMBC. It's not a Finhorn issue yet, oh, yeah. which is something we're scared of. We're scared to death of that. And if you talk to some of these other individuals in the wild sheep community, uh, Kevin Hurley, uh, he's with the Wild Sheep Foundation. Kevin uh, is a biologist. And, and I can tell you that we're scared, scared, scared for that northern sheep herd. Um, it's a large contiguous area and a, a disease event in northern British Columbia would be devastating. And we all, you know, we all have the only true stone sheep um, in the world. So we have a responsibility to protect those animals. So that's one thing the society has been advocating hard for is a, a framework to protect our northern. Well, actually, we want a framework, a disease framework to protect all our wild sheep. Um, and I guess I should just back up and just say for those of the listeners that are not really familiar with it, uh, wild sheep contract uh, disease from domestic sheep and domestic sheep come from old world or from Europe and they're, uh, they're kind of immune to a lot of these diseases. It maybe affects them. It maybe um, has some impact on their health, but quite often, most of the time it doesn't kill them. However, uh, you know, the, the wild sheep in North America, they're kind of naive to these, these old world diseases and uh, it's, it wreaks havoc on them. They, you know, it's quite often a cause of mortality for them. So, the biggest thing that's affecting is, is, is domestic sheep passing on disease to wild sheep and then causing oh, yeah. die off. So the Norsemen good. There's really been no documented cases in Northern BC uh, that I'm aware of, of disease events um, caused by domestic sheep. Uh, but we're very concerned about that because it would have such a devastating effect. The, the issue is primarily um, a Southern BC issue. And it certainly has impacted our sheep numbers dropped in the 90s. And some areas have regained, and but a lot of areas have not. And it's uh, a lot of it is uh, most of the time is at the hands of uh, this disease issue. Right. So, what's the province's uh, participation in, in stopping this? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> tough, Kevin. So, you know, if, if any, here's an issue. Well, no, you know, they care. I will say that government cares. The government cares. Um, the thing is, is it's multi-jurisdictional, right? We've got an issue. It's Flynn Row. Um, but it's also egg, right? So Flynn Rowe can't impose legislation around egg, right? So the issue, the, the best thing for wild sheep and domestic sheep is to keep them separated. If we want to see wild sheep succeed, we got to keep domestic sheep away from them. And what we're advocating for is obviously we want to see a healthy agriculture sector. My dad was a, a cattle farmer, uh, a rancher. Uh, I love agriculture. Um, some of my best friends, my best friends growing up, they're all farmers. And, you know, we want to see a healthy egg industry. What we also want to see is some separation where there's spaces that we can have wild sheep and we don't have domestic sheep. The challenge so the, is you got to. Yeah. So this sorry. disease, it doesn't affect domestic sheep. It, ha it has an impact. And there's been actually some recent data that uh, has shown that there has been some lamb mortality due to domestic, due to the disease issue, due to Moby, but it's not common. It's very um, now data shows that um, growth rates were have been stunted in movie infected animals and disease infected animals numbers like three to five percent on their on their growth rate uh, and we go we use that argument to the, the domestic producers to the agriculture industry saying hey you get healthy sheep you're going to have you know better lamb growth and you're going to have better profits but the problem is is to do all the stuff around disease work and the testing and, and removal it's expensive. There's no question about it. And it doesn't pay for itself. So, and, and that's where we've, as wild sheep advocates said, Hey, we'll come in 
and we'll support you. Like we're, we're willing to have some skin in the game. We're not asking you to do all the heavy lifting. You know, we can do volunteer work. You know, we're happy to do some funding if we can. Um, you know, if you comply with what, you know, we believe is going to benefit wild sheep. Uh, but it, it's challenging. There's no question about, about it. And there are some great, there are a lot of great domestic producers out there. People care about wildlife, right? You know, I grew up in, like I said, in a farming community, a ranching community. We cared about the landscape. We, you know, we cared about our, our livestock, but we also cared about the mule deer and, and all the other species on the landscape. We love seeing them there. And I, I know that domestic producers as a whole do as well. They do care about it, but, you know, they also have a business, right? So yeah. it's, a, it's a challenge. And, and uh, there's a lot of great uh, producers out there that are supporting what we're doing. And they want to do the right thing. Uh, one of our past board members, um, he had the first certified Moby free flock in British Columbia. Brad Siemens, he's out of the uh, uh, Kootenays. Uh, and Brad is really passionate. And we dialogue a lot. And, you know, he goes, Kyle, this is killing me on the cost, right? So, you know, there's, there's challenges there. Um, and it, it's a tough one. Uh, you know, ideally no disease would be great, but it's kind of like the COVID thing now, right? Like, yeah. um, we've seen that with us, you know, you can't, you can't stop a disease, right? Unless you just lock everyone in their house and, and don't go anywhere ever, but the world doesn't work like that. And certainly doesn't work like that with wild animals. Right. So it's, it's a challenging issue. Um, it's not easy. And, uh, so back to your original question, what's the government, the government is doing things. We meet regularly with the Ministry of Agriculture. In fact, the minister herself, Lana Popham, she's been very supportive. Um, but they have to look after their, you know, their needs first. And, right. you know, well, their so are, number one initiative is not. Are they contributing on like a monetary perspective for this project as well? Or are they just saying we're going to support uh, you? Let us know what, you, what you're doing type of thing. You know, truth be told, I don't think there's, there's any funding from ag for what we're doing. Um, not that I'm aware of there, there may be, but you know, really the help that we can get from agriculture is not a monetary thing. It's more about what we're advocating for. And one of the biggest things we advocate for through the ministry is a provincial framework for disease. We want to say, okay, you know, um, in Northern BC, you cannot set up shop. If you, if you don't have a flock of uh, domestic sheep in Northern BC, you can't put one in. We want to have that regulation. We want it to say that. But that's tough, right? It's private land. People have the right to do on their private land what they see fit. And then what we're advocating in the South is we basically say we want to we want to get these areas classified as uh, low risk, medium risk, and high risk to wild sheep, and um, different criteria for each of those. And the big thing is is in medium and high risk areas we want testing to be done, and ideally we'd like to see that you know infected animals are removed. Um, from domestic flocks because if you remove the disease you remove the risk right so um, that's one of the things we're advocating for we want to see the ag producers on the ground successful have a having a successful business but we want to put protections in to protect wild sheep but we get it it's a challenging issue people have their own properties that they're trying to protect and uh, we get it it's their private land they can do what they want you know who has the right to come in my house and tell me how i'm going to live my life right it's uh it's a challenging issue and we're respectful of that, but uh, we also say, yeah, but if you do something in your house that kills your neighbor, that's not cool either. Right. So. Yeah, I get it. I mean, everybody has their own agendas and stuff, but uh, I mean, it, uh, it sounds like there's a lot of work ahead. So hopefully we can uh, 
continue to raise support for for you guys and uh, both you know a physical and monetary aspect maybe we can get a lot done in the next couple of years and it'd be nice like you said to put an end to that completely but uh, um so we just finished up a fundraiser we did for you guys. Um, for those who don't know, it was basically all new members of the Wild Cheese Society, depending on the length of their membership, receive certain products through our webpage. Uh, I think it turned out pretty good. I think in the end, we ended up donating just under $1,200 to you guys for that uh, project. And we got another one coming up for this year that I think uh, I think we'll get into a bit here. But uh, but how did this year compare to previous years in terms of memberships with COVID? Did you guys see any downward trends in that regard? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I'd be remiss not to thank Focus Hunting and what you've done for the Wild Sheep Society BC. Um, absolutely phenomenal. Kevin, I know that you guys are doing this uh, because your heart's in the right place. You know, there's no return on your investment other than you doing the right thing. Uh, and we're, we're grateful for it. And, uh, you know, I love that support and it just, it's exciting to be affiliated with people that care and are giving back and making a difference and, and for really no benefit other than they believe in what we're doing and, uh, and our members see it too and appreciate it as well. So, and that was a great campaign and absolutely we certainly um, use that to market our memberships and it was very successful. I don't know the exact number that, and I know you have that data and we do know the monetary cost on that. Uh, but there was like a lot of people that signed up through that promotion. So we're super grateful for that. Um, in terms of our membership, you know, we've actually seen, uh, I think, uh, a benefit actually with COVID in terms of membership growth. Um, uh, we're actually, we set a record, we're setting a record daily now. Uh, with our membership. So uh, our membership is wow. definitely up. A lot of it's new members, but we have actually some pretty high uh, retention numbers, I would say that, uh, you know, I, talking to other people in the industry, I think ours is above average in terms of renewals. Um, yeah, sure, we, we do lose members. There's no question about that. That's part and parcel. But we've seen significant growth. You know, we're a small organization. It's a provincial organization. You know, granted, we're a niche kind of market in the conservation world that we focus on wild sheep. As we know, we benefit other species in the mountains as well. But um, when I joined the board, I think it was four years ago, maybe five now, we we're roughly 340 members. I, I came on early as a membership chair, and that was part of my goal was to in increase our growth. Uh, we're knocking the door of 1,000. Um, we do have a membership drive on right now, which is pretty cool. Um, when we hit that th lucky number 1,000, which we're roughly 50 members away from that, I think we're like 955 or something this, uh, as of this morning we're going to give away a Yeti cooler. Plus we have another membership drive on as well. So yeah, we've been, you know, COVID's treated us well with regards to membership growth and even just the support of our members. Uh, but I, I will say that I feel that the society is very blessed. Uh, our members are unique. Uh, I've been part of other fishing game organizations, a lot of great people doing great work out there. Uh, I know you do great work with SCI interior. I'm a member as well doing great work, but I, I'm partial to the work the society's doing and our membership. Our guys and gals just keep giving. Um, our volunteers and directors, people are just stepping up and over and over and over, and the support is phenomenal. I've never seen an organization uh, like this, um, and I'm not exactly sure what it is, but we've got some pretty cool members. They're doing a fantastic job. Yeah, for myself, I'm a lifetime member of the Wild Sheep Society. I've never even bought a sheep tech. So, I mean, that just goes to show you what kind of work you guys are doing. Um, we got a new one coming up for 2021, uh, a new t-shirt doing with you guys. I've been, uh, it's, it's 
you and I talked about it, I think in November, December, we started playing with the idea of you already said the name of it there. You hit it on the nail on the head, focus on wild sheep. Um, basically it's a t-shirt. Uh, we're going to be selling through our web, our webpage and all the profits of that t-shirt are going to be going to the wild sheep society of BC. So I'm pretty excited. I don't, have you seen the, the t-shirt yet? I think I, t- I said, yeah, yeah, I think so. You sent some versions and then you, uh, and I, you told me which one you were going to go with, but I haven't seen it individually, but you, you said, these are the ones we're considering. And then, okay, we're going to go with that one. And it's awesome, man. Like uh, Kevin, yeah, you're a life member and you've stepped up and, and that's the cool part of what, we're doing is we got a lot of people like yourself that have never you know bought a sheep tag never been out in the mountains chasing them but you still care a life member and and what you're doing and i'm super excited about um you know this collaboration you know you guys supporting us and promoting wild sheep and and our concerns and issues in bc here and you know it's fantastic so you know hats off to you kevin and and focus for for everything that you guys do and all the support across the industry i know we're not the only one but you certainly stepped up big time and we're super grateful for it. And I, I can't wait to get this t-shirt out and uh, get that out. And uh, I, obviously I'll be lining up to buy a bunch of them. Uh, I'm going to get it advertised now that you and I have a, had a chance to talk here. I've, uh, I've been waiting for this. So it's, uh, I'm going to get it on the webpage and, and get it for sale. And uh, hopefully people will jump all over. I've been, uh, been looking forward to it. That's for sure. But uh, you know, in terms of, of stepping up and doing this, you know, it's just something that I feel that, Every hunter, every fisherman needs to do. You know, it, it's our responsibility to be stewards of the land and uh, and to make sure that this lifestyle that we have, that we enjoy, that we love, is passed on to uh, the generations to come. And you know, that's really why I got into this. It wasn't for me or for you. It, it was for my kids. You know, to ensure that they had the same experiences and, the, and they get to you know enjoy all this love for the outdoors that I did. And uh, I was involved with uh, the commercial fishing industry, and I did a lot of recreational fishing when I was a kid. And uh, and, you know, so I knew there was issues and aspects of wildlife that that were in trouble, but I never really got deep into it until the last, you know, three or four years. And then I've really started to notice when I started paying attention, I really started to notice, you know, not only the issues in our province, but all over and not, not just that, all the discord that there is in the hunting community. Uh, um, so that was kind of the, you know, the premise of focus hunting. I, I, I wanted something to be able to give back in a residual way rather than just a membership or donating 10 or $20 here. You know, with a brand, it gives you the privilege to get involved, you know, get noticed and, and give back to the community. It's It's been a lot of fun. It hasn't been a year yet, but uh, man, it's been a blast. So, um, Kevin, it's interesting you brought that up, you know, and like if we had um, everyone, every hunt, everyone that hunted was a Kevin, this world would be a different place, right? This, you know, we would have the Serengeti of the North that we did 200 years ago, right? Um, cause if, you know, hunters do care, um, but a lot of hunters, you know, they use the ethos or the, the saying hunting is conservation, which is true. But if you think a lot of hunters say, well, you know, I buy a sheep or I buy a tag and you know, my revenue goes to that. And if you think that that's going to make a difference for conservation in the province, you're sadly mistaken that my friend, you know, you look at yourself, you know, look at what you're doing. You've created this platform. Um, you're donating time, money, and effort. You're raising these issues. Um, and you're making a difference in the province, right? And hunters need to get on that bandwagon. We need to make a difference. Okay, yeah, not everybody needs to do a podcast. Not everyone needs to start a clothing company, but you got to do more. And if you think buying a, a tag, going out and buying your hunting license, and, uh, you know, if we relied solely on that money with the revenue from that, the $6 million or whatever it is that goes to HGTF, uh, we're in a world of hurt, man. We are in a world of hurt. And hunters need to step up. There's a small contingent that are doing way more than their share, 
and we need everyone doing their share. Um, you know, liking something on Facebook and buying your hunting license is not conservation. And, uh, you know, so that's where credit to you. Um, you've gone above and beyond. You've done the work of 150 people, but we just need every hunter to do a little bit more. Start giving back a bit more. You know, join a conservation group. doesn't have to be the society. Sure, not like whatever, SCI, uh, your local fishing game, whatever it is. But people have to start stepping up and doing more. And, you know, that's the one thing that I'm super, I believe in is find an organization that makes it, that's making a difference, that means something to you and step up. Uh, people have to start doing more and hunters have to do, start doing more because um, we're getting killed right now. And a lot of it is because hunters aren't doing enough. And we're doing great, a great job. I'd say better than average, better than your average person, but it's not enough. So yeah. that's kind of my yeah. rant for the day. It's true though. We could definitely do more. Um, you know, we all have this intrinsic love for the outdoors and I mean, uh, some is manifested naturally like mine. I, I grew up on, you know, I grew up on the ocean and from the time I could walk, I, I was involved with the outdoors. So, uh, but having said that, I mean, it doesn't matter how you got to where you are today. If, if you share the passion and love for the outdoors, yeah, you have to do a little bit more. And I, I, I look at myself, I'm, I mean, I'm, to me, I'm just trying to follow the footsteps of all great people like yourself ahead of me have done. And I don't think of myself as a pioneer in any means in the industry, but uh, it's uh, you're right. It, it takes a little bit more, just a little bit more effort from everybody and, uh, and, and less judgment too, I find, you know what I mean? There seems to be a lot of, of judgment and, you know, lament in the hunting community. And I don't know where it stems from. I don't know why it's there. I mean, you know, we're, as hunters and, and fishers and true outdoorsmen, even if you're not a hunter, as a true outdoorsman, you should be connecting with each other and with the outdoors. And, and you know, that's what makes it special. And that's one thing about these podcasts. And you're right, you, you don't have to start a clothing company and you don't have to start a podcast to do it. But that was just one way I, I felt to get involved and, and share my story and, and allow the opportunity to share other people's story and well and, and get engaged. And uh, and like I said, man, it's, it's been a blast and, and hopefully it creates a, a positive response. I think it already has, Kevin. You know, you're, I, I love tuning in and uh, you do a great job and always enjoy your guests on there. It's interesting you said about uh, the disconnect in the hunting community, and, and there is a little bit of that for sure. Um, and I think, you know, it's important for us to look across the aisle and look at, you know, what our competition is doing and who's our competition well, or who's our enemy, I guess you could say. Uh, the anti-hunting community is, they've got their poop in a group, man. They've got their act together um, and they, they're, there's coalitions, there's groups of uh, dozens of anti-hunting groups that are all on the same page, they're well-funded, they're organized. And for some reason as hunters, you know, we start getting hung up on, well, you're whatever, you're this or you're that, uh, focusing, and don't get me wrong, there's certain issues that we, you know, need to focus on, but uh, we need to start coalescing as a group because, um, you know, there's people that don't agree with what we're doing and they've got their act together. Uh, Raincoast just dropped something this morning again. Um, there's a new uh, campaign that's come out, um, an advocacy campaign for anti-hunting. And, uh, you know, we can sit there and fight within the group, but at some point there's not going to be anything to fight over. So we need to get our act yeah. together. As well, exactly. There, there's not going to be a group left. It's, uh, it's something I think we can work on. Already. How's 2022 looking for, or 2021 getting way ahead? How's 2021 looking for you guys with COVID? I know... Um, obviously there's not going to be a fundraiser again this year. Yeah. You know, again, the strength of our membership is uh, people coming together and the, you know, the shows kind of are that cementing point, right. And people, you know, that's their big thing every year. And in, in our community, a lot of people, you know, we have our two fundraisers and people get together. Um, 
we made a fairly early decision that we weren't going to be able to have a, uh, we, it was pretty obvious back in November that things were not going to work out for an in-person event. So we've kind of retooled, relooked at things. Um, we're going to go to an online uh, platform. Uh, we're going to have some stuff going on. We got our Northern fundraiser on February uh, 6th. Um, and then we have our Kamloops convention where this year we're calling our Kamloops wild sheep salute to conservation. Um, that's March 12th and 13th. Um, and they're going to be virtual events. They're going to be online. Um, but we're going to try and mimic the show a bit more. Um, last year, we basically were, we managed to pull off that Northern fundraiser, but Kamloops literally got canceled on the Thursday and the show was the Friday. So Bonnie Henry, you know, we, we, we wanted to slide in under the wire and then Bonnie Henry Thursday night announced the 50 person uh, restriction. And we're just like, yeah, it's not going to work. So we were all sitting in Kamloops, uh, had to cancel the show. Uh, we retooled then we did some online stuff, Facebook auctions, some raffles, and we were incredibly successful. We had a great year. Um, and that's on the backs of our membership. They stepped up and supported us this year. We wanted to give back a bit more. So we're putting some effort in. We're going to put some uh, seminars together. We're going to put some speakers together, um, do project updates, some raffles. Um, we're going to have a, a live online auction with a, an auctioneer. So he'll be in the room in Kamloops doing a live auction. We'll do live raffle drawings. So it's um, it's not quite as good as the in-person events, but we're going to do the best we can. We do everything we can within our means to give something back to our members and hopefully raise some money for wild sheep as well. So that's yeah. kind of our plan. Um, we are planning sheep counts for the spring. That's stuff we can do. That's COVID friendly. We're going to follow all the rules of COVID. Um, we're planning some sheep hunts, uh, or sorry, sheep counts um in the spring better not be sheep hunting in the spring i don't think we'd be very popular there <laughs> no. um some sheep counts and um we'll have some announcements on that fairly shortly here with that, that we are planning them but again we're being smart about it with the covid rules we're not going to break any rules we're going to do it by the book and but we are going to be able to get out there on the hills and do some uh, sheep counts uh, and that was all we we lost our spences bridge sheep count last year because of that um you know it was just the covid risk was too high um, but we've kind of got a plan in place this year for all that, which we'll communicate with our members in due course. So for those who don't know, what's a sheep count? You just hit the hit the side hill and start counting sheep. Do you go up there, you spend the weekend up there, and you do something you can do with your family? Walk yeah, me through, so through what that is. Obviously, you can show up and do whatever you want, count sheep if you want. You can play in bed, do it, whatever you want. But uh, <laughs> with ours, it's a bit more, um, there's a bit of structure to it. So with our Spences Bridge, you, you go up to Spences Bridge, you're, you're assigned an area by our uh, volunteers. And then um, you also have uh, rules that you have to find, uh, follow. So uh, the goal is to classify, um, you know, the, uh, the class of ram. And then also uh, if there's ewes or lambs and collate that data. And then and you have a specific area that you're doing it in. So um, that gives us a framework and data that's fairly reliable. The regional bios are involved. Um, they've given us some guidance on that and told us what, you know, how, how to class these RAMs and stuff like that. So then we can collate data and we can actually have consistent data. Same thing. We did it on the Fraser last year in region three, went up and did a, a sheep count. And again, we had small groups and they were designated certain areas and they were to give us data and then we collect that data. And that's how we're able to see some recruitment. You did ask about the, the inventory and the certain areas that we do these counts. Um, we have some pretty good inventory. Um, the Fraser ones, we've been doing, um, we're trying to do every weekend because then we can see the evolution of the, uh, the lamb count, right? We can see if new lambs are showing up on the landscape. 
and uh, we can keep accurate data and see where we're at with that. Can anyone get involved in these sheep counts? Yeah, exactly. For sure. You know, we'd love to have you as a member, but no, if you want to come up and, you know, we've had lots of non-members come up as well. Uh, we do communicate the information on our website. This year is going to be a little bit more, you know, controlled, I guess, if you will, only because of COVID. Uh, you know, you can't have 300 people standing around together. Um, you're not doing any justice there. So, uh, you know, we'll be, a, we're going to be smart about what we do, but yeah, you don't have to be a member. I'd love to see you sign up, but, uh, and you know, Spence's bridge was always a great time. People would come up and there was, you know, we, people would camp and, and people brought barbecues and, um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, we're going to have to keep that a little bit smaller this year because of, because of COVID. Um, and the Spence's bridge, we haven't, cemented that yet we we have there's some first nations engagement that's required there um we're very respectful of cook's ferry um is the uh first nations uh, in that area so um we just need to coordinate that and then um and then we'll we'll we're gonna ideally offer an opportunity for our members to do a count there uh but again it's in line with first nations engagement and making sure that everything's cool on that front as well we have to be very respectful of our first nations communities for sure yeah so how many counts are there that go on throughout the year? So typically uh, the Wild Sheep Society of BC has only held the one uh, in Spence's Bridge officially. Uh, however, last year we did the Fraser River one and it was quite small. We just did small groups. And the reason was, is we wanted to have people every weekend. Our goal was to have people throughout the spring every weekend, as opposed to having a bunch of people show up one weekend and do the count. Um, and it, it is a bit more, it, it's a bit farther to, to do that count as well. So Spence's Bridge is super quick out of Vancouver. You just up to up the highway and you're there in no time. So it's a little further on the Fraser. And um, so that's been a bit of, you know, an impediment, I guess, I guess if you will as well. So, hmm. yeah. That's great. Well, there you go. If anybody gives somebody and their family something to do over the weekend, bring out your tent or, or, uh, or whatever you got and, and go count some sheep goes to a great it's cause. Just fun right like, yeah. like uh, like-minded people it's free you're outdoors you get to see wild sheep you get to photograph if you're a photography guy and uh, you get to connect with people that care about you know nature and wild sheep and all that sort of stuff right yeah and it's always fun to get out too it's always a good sure. time never have absolutely. a bad never have a bad day out in the woods absolutely yeah okay man well uh you know i appreciate you you taking a bit of time to join me here today uh is there anything else you'd like to add no, it's been a great chat. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, we're, we're always trying to grow our conservation footprint for um, wild sheep and, and all species that, you know, happen to be in their habitat as well. So, you know, uh, we've got a membership drive going on right now. We'd love to see you sign up. Uh, there's lots of opportunity there. I think we're giving a thousand dollar gift certificate away to either Stone Glacier, Yeti or Sitka Gear, who's our conservation partner. Um, so great opportunity there to sign up. And that runs until March 13th. So somebody's going to win that $1,000 gift certificate plus that Yeti cooler once we hit 1000 Plus there's a sheep show. Um, it's Sheep Week in uh, Reno this weekend through the Wild Sheep Foundation. And we're also doing a, um, a giveaway there with a Yeti, a Wild Sheep Society BC Yeti mug, hat and t-shirt. So anyone signs up between now and February 16th gets their name for that draw as well. So anyway, always looking for members. We, you know, our, the membership does matter. It doesn't make a lot of money for us. What it does is uh, we can share the issues and there's a lot of regional issues and you can get involved. Um, one thing we have been doing is we've been building a province-wide uh, engagement uh, team that we have our members going to their individual MLAs 
And our goal is to have all 80 plus uh, ridings covered. So you go in and you meet with your MLA on a re, um, uh, uh, every six months and basically, you know, raise, you know, the main issues for wild sheep in the province. So we're working on that. So that's a big thing. If we can get our members involved and we get more members, we get more voice, then we can drive these issues in Victoria. We can get these issues with ag pushed down the road. We can get these issues with Flinro pushed down the road and hopefully um, in some of these things enacted. So membership makes a big deal. Um, we're, we're seeing it now as we're growing. Um, so, you know, if you come over to wildsheepsociety.com and sign up as a member, we'd love to have you. There's a home for you there. Awesome. You can also go to the Focus Hunting webpage. We've got a, a link for you guys right there. You just click on that. It takes you right to the membership form. But there's also a lot of great stuff on your guys' webpage. And I think you guys are on social media as well, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Absolutely. So there's, uh, there's no excuse not to get involved for anybody listening that needs something to do, especially this winter. I mean, there's no better time than this winter. You can't go anywhere, so might as well yeah. do it yeah there's lots of horn porn on our uh, facebook uh page uh we've got, we've got <laughs> that's a couple good of horn porn ambassadors they're they're fantastic so darren epp and jeff jackson they're just great photographers and they do a lot of work on our site so um if you it helps you get through the winter looking at these big rams or ewes or lambs uh these guys do a great job so um check it out on facebook and instagram yeah man there sure is a lot of cool neat pictures out there of sheep um Nathan French does some great work. I got one of his pictures. Uh, man, it just first showed it to my wife and she couldn't believe it. She she was blown away how just the quality and just the frame and everything. It was pretty beautiful stuff. So lots to look um, at, lots to do. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a good guy. So talented. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. man. Well, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun and uh, and uh, we'll do it again. So talk to you soon. I appreciate it, Kevin. Just And again, thank you for all you do in focus hunting. Uh, you know, you guys are relatively new to the, the space, um, but you've done so much in such a short time. And just the support you've given the society and other conservation organizations across the province is fantastic. So just thank you. Hats off to focus hunting and yourself for everything you're doing. Appreciate it, man. You believe that? Wow. I guess it's all worth it.